welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Trevor Estes. Enjoy. For our teaching. We are in a series right now. We're calling the One Anothering series. And what that reflects is that throughout Scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see instructions to groups of Christians in different cities. And they're often tailored to the dynamics that are happening in their community, in their broader community, and also in their life together. And they're instructions that are very simple. They're like, love one another, welcome one another, help one another. And all these one another's, they make up, the, when taken together, they, they just reflect what our posture should be in our life with one another, and then also rippling out to our community. And so we're looking at this series because so much of it is countercultural. What happens in the cultural at, at large is often a, a human culture. And what we're trying to establish is a culture that is a kingdom culture. What does that mean? It means, it means that we're, we want God to, um, to influence everything we do. Not just who we are for, for an hour and a half on Sunday, but all of our lives are permeated by the reality of God's presence, by the reality of God's redemption, his gospel. And so we have these just really practical instructions, and we're just going through them one at a time and saying, what does this look like? We, we looked at love one another. We looked at live in harmony with one another. We looked at, at welcome one another. Today we're on help one another. Simple Four letters, one word, one syllable, help one another. This one another comes from actually several places in Scripture. We, there's a number of, of verses that we could go to to find it. For our devotions this last week, Pastor Mike took us day by day through Romans chapter 15 and showed how various parts of Romans 15 talked about helping one another. Um, if, you, if you don't know about our devotions, we have uh, devotions that our own pastor, Mike, writes, and, and also his daughter, Rihanna Freeman. Uh, she, she helps shoulder that as well. And they're designed to prepare us for the coming Sunday. So we don't read devotions that are, are just like abstract. Our devotions that we're in, they're supposed to be a springboard into just a, a personal time of prayer with God, but also into preparing us for what's coming on Sunday. And so all this last week, we've been in Romans 15. Uh, if, you, if you are not familiar with our devotions, I'll give you a quick link of where to find those. We call them green pastures because they're all about good grazing, right? We don't want to just have spiritual nourishment here on Sundays. We want to be seeking spiritual nourishment throughout the week. And so those devotions are just, they're good grazing for us in this corner of God's pasture. So um, you can find them in a few places. If you go to vineyardboise.org and just add slash devotions to the end of our website. You can find a splash page there that has a a link to a PDF for that week's devotions. There's also a link where you can sign up to have them emailed to you. They come out Monday through Friday, like, I don't know, six in the morning. You'll get a a devotion each day. Or you can, uh, if you want to podcast the audio version of those, you can go to um, Apple, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can find an audio version, uh, usually either Mike or Rihanna reading the devotions. So, um, that's the devotions. And I want to encourage you for this coming week, if you, um, this would be a great week to try those out because um, we're actually not going to be, um, next week the, the, the text, the devotions are, um, what are they? 
they're greeting one another by name is, is our one another for next week. And we're not going to go there on Sunday. Sunday, we actually have a guest speaker, guest topic. And so if you're going to stay on track with the series, you, you're going to have to do that just through devotion. So I encourage you to do that. So where are we going to go this morning? Pastor Mike took us through Romans 15 rather than retracing his steps as he danced. Mike's a dancer. He dances in person. He dances with words. He does not dance with wolves, but <laughs> he does dance with words. Rather than, but rather than try and retrace his steps, I, I really felt like we were supposed to go somewhere different this morning. I want to go to Galatians chapter 6. And um, the text, it's, it's verses 7 through 10. And it's another help one another passage. It doesn't say help one another verbatim, but the overall message of helping one another is at the very heart, the essence of what Paul was saying to that church, a church, uh, and it was actually a, a collection of churches in the region of Galatia. Paul said this, verse six, seven, chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the, the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we will not give up. Let us not, I'm going to read that again. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So like I said, this translation doesn't, doesn't directly say, like in quotes, help one another, word for word. But that help one another, that surely captures the heart of what Paul was trying to say to the churches of Galatia. So we're just going to look at this morning at a few aspects that we can discern from that passage. First of all, uh, let's read that text from 6, 7, and 8 again. A person reaps what they sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit will from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So what's our principle from there? Helping one another leans into a spiritual principle of reaping and sowing. What does that mean? There's a spiritual principle at work here in the way that we invest our lives, our resources, our time, our finances, the, the wholeness of who we are. There's a spiritual principle, whether for good or for negative, right? So, so meaning there's going to be a correspondence be, be, between what you sow and what you reap, what you give and what comes back to you, and also to your community. If, for example, you sow scarcity and selfishness or poverty, what will you reap? You'll reap scarcity, selfishness, and poverty. If you sow generosity and abundance, you'll nurture generosity and abundance. So let me give you an example of this. Uh, Many of you may know that, that Andrea and I, when we were first married, we moved to Southeast Asia. We lived just below the, the Thai border for three years. This is back in the mid-90s. And we were, part, we were, we were working with a, a, a biblical studies school there. It was part of an, a parent organization called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. Some of you may have heard of YWAM. It's an it's a international, uh, global missions organization. And there's a, a unique dynamic about YWAM, that is every person in the organization, whether student or staff, pays to be there. Everybody is, in fact, a missionary, 
right? There's, I think there's one person who gets a salary and it's because of maritime law, you can't have a volunteer um, captain of a ship. And so their mercy ship captain gets a dollar a year, right? Everybody else in the organization is a missionary who's raising support back home from their community back home in order to be either a student or staff and serving in whatever aspect of the mission they're, they're involved in. And so, as you can imagine, so the community we were involved in in Malaysia uh, fluctuated between about 20 to 40 people at any given time. We were there for three years. And just depending on which school we were offering and, and how many students we had in the school, it, it varied, it fluctuated. But every one of us were there raising support. And most of us didn't have enough support. Most of us had projected our budget of what we should have monthly, and most of us were running somewhere around 60%. So that, that was always something that was kind of hovering over us, is that, is that we, we needed more resources. Okay, so we live that way. Um, that's a different kind of economy. In fact, I had a friend who observed that. Let me show you a picture. This is, uh, this is Dallas, the vegetable delivery man. Uh, one of Andrea's and my work duties, everybody on, everybody on base had a work duty to just support the community. Andrea and I ran our kitchen for the, the whole community. And so I did all of the ordering and, and stocking of the kitchens. Andrea did all the budgeting, meal planning, uh, scheduling type stuff. And, um, and so I interacted a couple times a week with each of our delivery people. This was Dallas. He brought our, our vegetables on that motorcycle. Th that's me in the striped shirt. A little younger then. Um, Dallas would show up a couple times a week. I'd call in our vegetable order, and Dallas would show up. And he, always, he, he didn't know my name. Dallas is from southern India, I believe. Um, he, he wrote my name, Travel. Every receipt would be a handwritten receipt, and my name was not Trevor. It was Travel because I was a traveler. And, um, you know, we were in Malaysia, and we weren't there. We didn't have an official recognition as a school there. We were there as tourists. And so we, we, weren't, um, we weren't vocal about what we were doing there, but if people asked us, we were quick to share because we wanted to reach the community as well. And so I was building a relationship with Dallas over, the, over the, the three years we were there. And one day we were standing, probably right where, the, kind of where, near where that photo was taken. It was outside of one of the houses. And he's, he was asking me, like, he, I think he could hear what was going on in the classroom. He brought our, our, our delivery during class time. And so I'd stepped out to meet with him and he could hear what was going on. He said, what, why, what are you doing? And I said, well, there's, there's students in there that are in, a, in class right now. And he said, well, what are they studying? I said, they're studying the Bible, Dallas. And he, he said, oh, he said, well, is that what you do? Are you a student? I said, no, I'm actually one of the teachers. He said, oh, so that's your job? You're, you're here to teach? And I said, well... Yeah, it's my job. Um, I, I don't get paid to do it. He's like, you don't get paid? And I said, no, I actually pay to, to be here. <laughs> and, and, and he kind of looked at me for a moment. And he says, uh, he says, wait a minute. You, you fly over from the U.S. to teach these students and you pay them to let you teach. I said, yeah. He says, he thought, far better he says, I do not think you're a very good teacher. <laughs> now, the point of that story isn't like, it's not to illustrate where we are, it's to illustrate, okay, this was a very different economy we were living in that doesn't make sense to people. And, 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 that's, and that, the, that doesn't make sense, right? Like it didn't, Dallas couldn't get his mind around that. It didn't make sense. It's not a human economy. It's a kingdom economy. But the reality is we, we were very aware of the fact that we didn't have enough. So one day something happened, though. 
One day, a man named Neil Nakamoto joined our, our staff. And Neil didn't join at the beginning of the, of the school year when the students all arrived. He joined midway. And so the school was already in session. We were already had our community life going together. We've been building relationship with, with the newest group of students and staff. And, um, and then we know that Neil's coming. And so we, we prepared a room for him. And long before Neil got there, Neil started arriving because we began getting boxes that would show up that were labeled for Neil Nakamoto. And some days, they would, this was like international shipping, like DLA, DHL or something like this. They would bring like three boxes, heavy boxes, labeled for Neil Nakamoto. And the first time it happened, we were like, well, that's interesting. And we took it to his room. And then a couple of days later, more boxes came. And we we're like, who is this guy? Like, what is, what is going on? And we we're very curious about the boxes. A little bit, there's like an opposite episode of The Office where the box comes in advance before the new boss comes, and they all want to know what's in it. We really wanted to open the boxes and find out what, what Neil was. And then he showed up, and he had like suitcases, and we're like, what is, like, this guy is not traveling light like most missionaries travel light. And what we discovered, we said, Neil, what's, what's in your box? He said, oh, uh, I, I just like shopping at Costco, and, and, uh, and, and I didn't know if there was a Costco here, which there wasn't at the time. There probably is now. But he's like, I didn't know if there's a Costco here, so I just, I, just, I just sent some stuff in advance. What we found out is that Neil kind of operated with this philosophy that if something was worth buying once for himself, it was worth buying multiple copies of that he could give away to others as well. And Neil became, as he began unpacking his boxes, he would just show up at our door, at our room, and knock and say, hey, I was just unpacking this, and I found this, and I thought, I thought maybe you'd like it. And he just began giving stuff away. And it got to where it became like well-known in the community, like, like Neil is really generous. And be careful about saying you like anything he has because he'll just give it to you. He'll just, oh, would you like my shirt? <laughs> and over time, what happened, initially it just had this impact that it was just, it was the way Neil impacted our community. But eventually we began to notice something. So palpable that we be, even talked about it during a staff meeting. We noticed our whole community, we were becoming more generous with one another. That as Neil was generous, it was, it was reaping a harvest of generosity. He was actually changing the culture of our life together. And, and where we had been operating in this sort of scarcity, almost poverty mentality that we, none of us had enough, we just began meeting each other's needs. Not always financially, sometimes financially, but, but, but with our time, with our resources, with our meals, we just became more generous. And it all goes to what Neil created. Neil understood this principle. What's the principle? The principle, again, helping one another leans into a spiritual principle of reaping and sowing. How do we transform a culture from a culture of fear to a culture of abundance, a culture that there's enough? Well, we do our part. We act on our part. Secondly, whoever sows to please the Spirit, this comes from verse 8, whoever sows to, here's the key word for this one, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will, will reap eternal life. What's our principle? It's helping one another is an act of worship, making choices to please God, our Heavenly Father, who loves the other members of our family. I just want to take a moment to highlight this. And if you're a parent, you can probably appreciate this, especially if, you, if you're not a single child family. And when you've, got, when you've got kids, how they treat one another matters. And it can either bring great distress to your heart or great joy. Right? When, when kids are fighting one another and, and being selfish with one another, stingy, whatever, that's like distressing. Like, there's nothing that will tie me in knots more than that. 
And when I see my kids love one another, my, my kids are pretty well grown now. They're like, they're like older teens, almost 20, my, my oldest daughter. But just yesterday, like uh, my wife was at work. She'd got called into work. She'd gone to help one another at work on a day that she wasn't called in. It's actually where she is right now as well. Um, so she was off at work and I got, my daughters just decided to make breakfast together, help one another. They helped each other clean it up. Then they helped each other sort clothes that they were going to be donating. And I just got to watch that and think, thank you, Lord. Like, I loved seeing that happening with my kids. Now, as, as a dad, I love that. How much more so does a heavenly father care? Why, why does this verse in Galatians emphasize the fact that we should do good whenever we have the opportunity, especially to the members of the family of faith? It's because the heavenly father cares about how we treat one another. It's an act of worship because he's generous. He wants his kids to be generous. So this is when we, when we seek to please God. This is actually an act of our worship. I wrote it this way in the notes. Our worship includes our songs. A moment ago, Brent and Kate and the worship team, they led us in some wonderful songs of worship. But worship is not limited to our corporate gathering. Worship is actually completed. Our act of worship in here is completed by the way we treat one another out there. That's an act of worship. A life of worship includes our choosing to help others where we are able, as the text is going to say in a moment, as we have opportunity. I want you to notice something. He says, go back to the verse in 6, 8. It says, whoever sows to please the Spirit or from the Spirit will reap eternal life. On the surface, that might sound as like, well, if, if I'm generous, that's how I'm earning eternal life. And we know that's not what Paul's saying. Paul, of any of the writers of the New Testament, is a defender and a contender for the fact that the eternal life is a gift that is received by grace. It's a gift that is freely received from God. And so we don't earn it by the way we live, but we can extend it and expand it in the way we live. He's talking about eternal life, not only as a quantity of life that, that we graduate to someday, but it's a quality of life we can begin to experience here. When we live this way, so, so what was happening when Neil was, was, um, was breeding generosity by the way that he, that he was so generous with all of us? He was cultivating eternal life right there in our community. We experienced more eternal life than what we'd been experiencing because we were experiencing the abundance of our Heavenly Father. I think God was pleased in that. That was an act of worship. So there's blessing and empowering provision from God when we seek to reflect his image. Here's what I know. Here's what, I can say this because of scripture. I can say this because of experience. When I step out of, of thinking that there, I don't have enough, whether that's enough time, enough resources, enough skills, when I can step out of that sort of scarcity mentality and give myself to others, God meets me there. God meets me there and he, and he helps me to be a blessing even when I don't have the capacity to do that. This last week, I, I had a sudden opportunity. Here's what, here's what happens for, for preachers or teachers of God's word. We often get to apply the thing that we're going to be talking about on Sunday in, in ways that we weren't expecting. And so I suddenly had a, a need to go visit one of our other vineyard churches in Montana this week. And, um, and, and I went into a situation where I honestly didn't know what I could, what I could do to contribute to it, to, to help. But I knew I was supposed to go. I just sensed I was supposed to go. And so I stepped out of the poverty mentality of saying, I don't have enough time. I've got a full week. I'm going to go and just trust God. And so I drove to Montana and spent the night there, had some meetings, drove back the next day. It was like 
uh, like a thousand miles in, in, in a day and a half. And you know what? God used me. I got to encourage another body of believers. I got to encourage the family of God there in Montana. And I left filled up because I got to be a part of what God was doing there. I got to, to, to expand that. I want to live that way. I want to see eternal life in our life together. I want to be a part of contributing that to others. Helping one another is an act of worship. Making choices to please God or Heavenly Father who loves the other members of our family. Number three. Number three. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Point number three, as with the natural world, there is some mystery to the timing and to the nature of the harvest. But we have a promise from God that our efforts will bear fruit. I was thinking about this this week. My wife was asking me a question. We, she was out in the yard last weekend, and she noticed that something that I'm aware of as one of the people in our household who mows the yard most often. Um, Andrea was less aware of it. It was a surprise to her. But um, there's one fence line of our, of our house where our neighbors, when they moved in uh, about seven years ago, they planted a row of aspen trees down, the, down their, their side of the fence line. And they're beautiful trees, and I really like them. I love the way aspen trees shimmer in the, in the wind and everything. They're really beautiful, and they've grown really quickly, so they've become kind of a nice privacy fence for both of us. But over the last year, those aspen trees have determined to reproduce themselves on our side of the fence. And every single week, there are shoots coming up everywhere on our side of the fence, and these aspen trees are prolific. And Andrea's question was this. She said, why did this just start happening? I mean, those trees have been there for, what, six, seven years? And why is it just now that it's, that it's become like this? And I said, I don't know, but they, they will bear a harvest, won't they? <laughs> they are determined. Now, why did it take six, seven years? I don't exactly know all the biology of that. I'm sure there's an explanation for it. But in, this, in, the, in a spiritual sense, there's times when we invest and we don't know when it's going to bear fruit or what that fruit will look like, or even if it will be in the same situation where we invested it. But there's a promise from God that nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. When we choose to live in a way that is generous, we choose to help one another, that will bear fruit. You have a promise from God, our Heavenly Father. It will bear fruit. So you can offer that as an act of worship. And even if it doesn't immediately bear fruit the way that you were hoping or, or expecting, you can trust. It will. And when it happens, it'll probably be more prolific than the aspen trees. Okay? Last point, number four. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the household of believers. The, the phrase I highlighted there was, as we have opportunity. Number four, helping one another is the opportunity when someone's need corresponds to our ability or our resources, our skills, our knowledge, our passion, our influence, our contacts. Sometimes, so when we think about helping one another who, who has a need, oftentimes we can go straight to the financial type of help. And that's, that is a big part of helping. The helping can look like sitting with someone who's in pain and just entering into their pain, just being with people, just being present with somebody. Sometimes it's using our influence to, 
to, uh, to you know, help someone's situation, to, to leverage our influence for their benefit, whether it's helping them find a job or helping them find contacts or helping them find the right resources. Sometimes it's opening our homes to people and sharing a meal. Sometimes it's taking a meal to someone who's sick. There's all kinds of ways we can help one another. But when, when someone has a need and we have the resources, that's, that's the opportunity. So when he says, as we have opportunity. So we hear about things. I think the immediate question when we hear about a need is, is to just pause and say, God, is that something you want me to do? Here's what I'd like to do. We got 15 minutes left this morning. We've, I, I, I've shared you know, kind of some information. I feel for, th- this is, but this is not like brand new stuff. Like none of this is like, wow, this is a theological twist I never expected, right? It's not new. It's a, it's a reminder. A big part of the Christian life is actually reminding one another of things that we've drifted from. That should be one of our one another's, remind one another. Paul actually says that in, the, in Philippians. Paul, Philippians chapter three, he says, to write the same things to you is, is no problem for me and it is a safeguard for you. And so today is really just reminding one another of, of what our life together is supposed to live like. That's, it's actually counter to the culture around us quite often. So what I like to do is just give an opportunity to inspire one another. And so maybe as I've been talking this morning, you've, had, uh, you've been reminded of a time that someone helped you. I just want to invite you to come up and share that briefly. You don't, you don't need to share the story as long as I shared my story. In fact, you can't because, well, we just got a few minutes left. But I'd like to invite a few people to just come up. And if you had a story about a time when someone helped you help one another, may, hopefully, I mean, if you have a story about a fellow believer, a fellow brother or sister in Christ helping you, if you want to come share that and, and maybe consider how did that impact you? What was the ripple from there? How did it impact you? How did it impact the community? What did it create for you? Okay. I have an open mic. Jenny's coming first. Everybody welcome Jenny. Hello. I was actually just talking about this the other day with my husband. Um, so I shouldn't have skipped up here. I'm getting too old for this. Right. I hear you. So around six or seven years into our marriage, me and my husband, Wes, um, we were just going through a really hard time financially, and we were just really struggling. And a lot of people in my life and in my family were saying that I should just leave him, and why the hell was I dealing with this? and whatever else, and I just started really believing that, and um, was seriously considering getting out of the marriage, thinking life would just be better and easier um, if I could find a doctor or something to marry. Um, and I remember one day I was at my house, and my, one of my best friends called me and said, um, I'm coming over today, and we're painting Betty's room in your house, so I'm going to be there in like an hour. I'm like, okay. Like it was very bossy and weird. I said, okay. So she showed up and we painted Betty's room, this really obnoxious Pepto-Bismol pink color, but she liked it. And um, the whole day we were painting, she was just, she just like really called me on it and was like, 
You cannot leave West. Don't you know that opens up your kids to all kinds of like higher levels of abuse? Then you are trying to protect your kids from that. And like, really, what's your complaint? And like, she just really, really called me on it, like all the stuff. And I remember it just completely shifted my heart. Like, I just saw everything completely different. And I just feel like God, I don't know what, like, God just woke her up that morning and was like, you need to go be with your friend and, like, tell her, like, what's what. And she did. And we just celebrated our 20-year anniversary last week. So I'm thankful for January's help. Thank you, Jenny. Oh, Jenny first and Jenny second. Oh, Jenny second. (laughs) Yes. My name is Jenny. So I was very quickly inspired to share an amazing ripple effect. Um, So I just recently celebrated four years of sobriety. Super cool. Thank you. That's something that makes my heart happy literally on a daily basis. It's pretty cool. So when my um, journey of sobriety began, I was actually at the Women's and Children's Alliance in a safe house. And um, some of the gals there actually told me about the vineyard. And we were within walking distance, so that's actually when I started attending church here. Um, When I graduated from the program, I um, had earned a voucher for a housing voucher, and I was also pregnant um, and searching for a home. And I had a very serious hang-up, and that was a nearly $500 power bill that... I had no help to pay, and I wasn't. I had a timeline. Um, the clock was ticking on the voucher, and I had literally weeks left. And um, I placed a phone call to the vineyard, and I actually spoke with you. Um, you prayed over me, and you guys had that power bill paid within hours of our phone call. <laughs> um, the ripple effect is huge. It's huge. Um, Within That was January of 2018, and within two weeks of me getting into that home and you guys paying that bill, my daughter, Bella Luna, was born, (laughs) who's a light of my life. Um, Since being on that voucher program and being in this place um, and and being stable and continuing to fix my life, um, because of that home, I've brought my three other children back home. and, and regained custody of them. And I also took the opportunity to be on what's called the self-sufficiency program, which is um, something that is only available for Ada County voucher holders. And so I am in the, I'm about, I, I hope, depending on the market, about eight months shy of being a first-time homeowner and not even, and not even being in housing anymore. Um, And so that was a ripple effect that started with you and this church. And I'll never forget it. Thank you. Thank you. That wasn't scripted, by the way. But you know what? That's that's our community life together. Some of you are, are newer here, so maybe you weren't a part of the financial you know, participation. When we give tithes and offerings, that's part of what it goes to is our benevolence program. Um, that's, that's something that we invested into together. And Jenny's life was changed. Jenny, thank you. That was amazing. And you're so well-spoken. Well done. We're going with a J theme right now. This is Janet. Yeah. 
Um, we came, my husband and I, and uh, we had teenage kids at the time, came to the church back in 92, 93, and uh, we had been in church, uh, but we were really excellent at hiding. We were really good at hiding things, and we had, unfortunately, the churches that we had been in had made that um, sort of the culture. Everybody looked good, and nobody was talking about their struggles, and so we weren't either, and when we came to the vineyard, um, we were actually, we were sitting on the back row, and we were pretty hopeless. We were struggling in our marriage. We were struggling financially. We were raising teenage kids, which I'll just say was a struggle. <laughs> They're both wonderful. Uh, but um, we, we, had, we were struck by the culture that made it safe. People were actually admitting that they had struggles and that they needed prayer and that they needed help. And so we attended a, a ministry then called uh, the Divine Plumb Line. And there was a couple uh, named Derek and Valerie Marsland Brown who were on loan to us from the UK. They're Brits and they were retired and they just felt the call of God to come. They were uh, assisting here in the church and they were mentors for us. Not only did they love us um, unconditionally, which... Um, both of us had pretty severe misunderstandings about what the father's love looks like because we both had pretty unhealthy relationships with our own dads. And um, that ministry was all about the father's love. And they not only showed it to us, but they lived it out and they were open and honest about their own struggles and made it safe for us to actually admit that we needed help and that we weren't we did not have it all together. And the, the, not only did they accept us, even when we unpacked all the dirty laundry, um, and it was ugly, <laughs> they loved us and they accepted us, but they also had hope for us where we did not have hope. They had faith for us where we, they saw something in us that we never saw in ourselves. And so they continued to call us up into who God had created us to be. And um, in that ministry, once we got to be honest about all the things that we were struggling with and we got met with love and acceptance, it made us more compassionate for others. It made us have a heart for others. And, um, and that's, you know, we've been doing Celebrate Recovery and ministries that way for a long time. So, um, yeah, the unconditional love of the Father is very healing, and that being transparent and knowing that you're accepted, regardless of your performance, um, that his mercies are new every morning and he loves you right where you're at. All right, we got one more. Hi, my name is Lisa, and me and my husband came to this church in 2006, the end of 2005. I was pregnant at the time, and I couldn't quit using methamphetamine. And I had to give my child up for adoption. And um, God told me that the family of this church would be here, that I would find him here. And I was welcomed um, by an individual that five years previous, when I was working at a Home Depot, um, spoke spoke life, spoke truth to me, was a light in the darkness, and he was a worship leader here. His name was Andy Henley. And when I walked in the door, 
I hadn't seen him in four years, and he said, welcome home. And I just knew I was home. And we, I met Pastor Joe and Janet, and Joe prayed over us, um, gave me the book, The Purpose Driven Life, told me about Celebrate Recovery, and me and my husband gave our life to the Lord that year, 2006. Um, we were both baptized in the river. <laughs> Praise God. Um, it was beautiful. We had just a beautiful life. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs, twists and turns. We left here, ended up going to North Dakota. We're there for some time. Um, we relapsed. We had a relapse, and my husband was killed in a car accident. And um, Pastor Joe, Janet, so many people here have loved us. They're our forever family. Like all those miles, and. And all the things that we had done, you know, we turned from the Lord for a brief time, and, and they just loved us and welcomed us. And we're back today. My son, 19, our son, Mason, he's being baptized today in the river, the same place we were in 2006. And so it's just been amazing. Like, it's so amazing to be here, and I just love all of you so much. And this is our home and our forever family. It's been amazing. Thank you, Lisa. I suspect that we could just keep doing this um, for a while. And uh, I love that. Um, Lisa, thanks for sharing your story. And Jenny, Janet, Jenny. Here's the thing. In closing, help one another. It's one of the one another's. Help one another. They have opportunities help one another. You don't know the ripple effect. When Andy welcomed Lisa into the church that day and said, welcome home, and just continued to nurture that relationship, that you belong here, you matter. Like, who knew how that would ripple out and how that, would, that, that, that love would carry them throughout the, the you know, difficult years. That, I mean, they've been ups and downs, mountains and valleys. And yet today, we get to be a part of Mason's celebration because of something that started that's bearing fruit today. That's awesome. This is the, this is the kingdom economy that we're called to live in. Pastor Try, who, who founded our church, Try and Nancy planted the church back in 89. One of the things that Pastor Try always told us as pastors is he said, look, he said, if you're going to tell people to, to, that something they should do, give them the opportunity to do it. Don't ever just tell somebody they should do something and not help them know, how would I apply that? When people leave on a Sunday, if they've been a part of a, a ministry environment or a teaching or instructional environment, when they leave, they should have some idea of what it would look like to actually put that in practice. And so I hope through some of these things you've been inspired, one, maybe there's something you're aware of that you can help with in somebody else's life. Um, and you're aware of a need, and just stop and ask that question, God, is there a way that, that you might meet that need through me in a way that, that, that reflects your, your image and your nature to someone else? Maybe that's already on your heart. Maybe it's just adopting a posture of saying, God, if you show me, I will be willing. If you show me a need this week, I want to meet it and trust you to meet me there. So I would hope that we do those two things. I want to give you a corporate way to respond as well. And this is a little, this is outside of the box of the way we normally do things. But um, hmm. 
I'll put a picture up here for you. That's, <clears throat> that's Ashley and her two kids. That's Gia on the left. And I don't know Gia's brother. Bodhi? B-O-D-I-E. Bodhi. B-O-D-H-I. Bodhi. It's Gia and Bodhi. Uh, Gia was tragically taken from us this last week. And from Ashley. Um, Gia was here last week, worshiping with everybody else, and um, had a sudden tragic accident, a uh, health crisis that nobody saw coming. And, um, and so she's been, she's been taken from Ashley. And so there's mounting medical bills associated with that and uh, all the costs of end-of-life type costs that uh, Ashley's suddenly having to navigate as a single mom on behalf of her eight-year-old daughter that she's grieving. And so there's a GoFundMe page that um, one of her close friends set up to help her. Uh, another member of our, of our body here set up a GoFundMe. And, you know, we don't normally you know, uh, promote GoFundMes from the front. This is a unique circumstance, and I felt like just prayerfully thinking about how, how do we apply this help one another? Here's a situation where we can help one another. So um, we put this, at, this is just, it's, it's an opportunity. That's all it is. Um, no pressure. But if, uh, if you are moved to do something towards that, if you go to vineyardboys.org slash help, just add the word help to the end of our website. Uh, you can find the link for that, and um, you can support Ashley and, uh, and Bodhi in the midst of the things that they're navigating. So um, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to head to the park. We're going to celebrate life together. We're going to uh, seek to be available to our community and ask God to show us opportunities. And, um, and as we close, we'll just pray over Ashley. Lord Jesus, this life is, uh, is full of challenges. It's full of uh, great, great highs and great lows as well. And so we've had a chance to share and, we've, and just share these stories of helping one another. The help often comes in the midst of the valleys. And so, Lord, would you help us to become a community increasingly? Lord, we, we thank you that, that we can, there are testimonies of our life together, that, that we have lived in a way where we've been available to help one another in a way that carries your image faithfully, that is worshipful to you. And Lord, we want to keep growing in that. We want to keep extending and expanding your kingdom into the darkness of situations and circumstances, that we would um, make you visible as a heavenly father who is faithful and good and kind and generous. And so, Lord, today we, we ask that you would do this in our hearts, that you would do this in our lives, in our life together, in our life outside of here. And Lord, today we especially, we lift to you Ashley and Bodhi and their extended family as well, and all those who are grieving uh, young Gia. And we, we pray that you would minister love and abundance and peace to them in the midst of this, that you would comfort them. And, um, and Lord, in the, in the midst of, of all of this chaos, we pray that love would, um, would just be made manifest in great and greater ways. We ask this for your glory. We ask this for our joy and abundance. And we ask it for the sake of others. Amen. All right, church. Go make the invisible God visible. And go to the park. And see you Friday.
The, uh, the link for that GoFundMe is also on our Facebook group as well, if you're on Facebook. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.